think of Jesus, those are not two words that usually come to mind. When he rose from the dead, it made us have to sit up and take notice and listen to him. Because he said over and over and over again, when he predicted his death, he called his disciples together and he said, guys, I'm going to die. I'm going to go and they're gonna, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And he told them over and over again about his death. But there was not one time that he predicted his death that he didn't also predict his resurrection. He told them over and over again, in three days, I will rise from the dead. He predicted his death. He predicted his resurrection. And so it says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 6, he is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. If you want to know about the evidence for the resurrection, one of the best attested facts of history, you can look in the Bible blog inside of your bulletin. And then go online to search it even more if you want to. But he rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, he is dangerous and unpredictable. Because he's not dead and buried in a grave somewhere, it gives me the sense that he's out loose. He's out there. And just like in the life of the disciples and just like in the life of Peter, he can just show up. Because he's not dead, he's alive. He can show up right next to you. He can show up in the room in which you're standing. He can show up in your life and he can talk to you. And he can ask you to do things. And and God can just show up in our lives because he is alive. And our lesson today comes from Luke chapter 24. And ask you to turn in your Bibles there because Jesus shows up in the lives of two guys that really weren't expecting to see him. They thought he was dead, that he was buried, and that he would never show up again. But Jesus shows up right next to them. If you don't have your Bibles this morning, it's on the screen behind me. But if you do, just keep your Bibles open, your sermon notes out, and follow along with me here. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along, along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God. And all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. 
As he approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, weren't our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and and those who were with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. The two told of what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I want to look at this story and ask ourselves, why didn't they recognize Jesus right away? What were they missing? What was happening in their minds? Luke doesn't tell us, but we can go into the scriptures and look. And listen to me, this is so important this morning for each one of us. This is not a story just about them. We miss Jesus today too. And I don't care who you are. There are times in our life where we miss Jesus. And I think we miss Jesus for the exact same reasons they miss Jesus. And so let's look at the text together and see why didn't they see Jesus. And the first reason comes from verse 29. They were too busy. They were too busy. And too often we are too busy. These two disciples are in a hurry to get to their destination. I mean, it is getting dark. This is an ancient culture. They only have the sun in their feet to get them to where they are going. It was late in the day, and so they have to get home. It says that the day was almost over in verse 29, and so they had to get home as fast as they could. And so they had a place to go, and so they were, they were just thinking, I need to get home. I need to get to the place that I'm on my way to. And it's not just that, that weekend, imagine all the things they went through, all the emotions, everything that they felt, how overwhelming that weekend must have been, how busy that weekend must have been for them. And you think about that and you look at this passage of scripture, they just weren't looking for Jesus because too much was going on and they were just too busy. The problem with being busy in life is that we miss out on what's the most important. When we get too busy, we miss our children growing up right before our very eyes. When we get busy, we ignore the needs of our spouse who we live with. When we get busy, we begin to even ignore ourselves. And probably the most tragic thing is when we're busy, we're ignoring the soul that God gave us because we're going to miss him because we're too busy. Let me tell you this morning, and I want everyone to hear my voice, and everyone that does hear my voice, I'm telling you this, God loves you. You were created for a relationship with Him. It is the only relationship that will fulfill you and satisfy you because it's the relationship that you were created for. And you can search your whole life looking for those things that fulfill you, but will only come through Jesus Christ. And when we're too busy and we miss Him, We're going to miss everything. So I encourage you today to take time to slow down. That's why I'm so glad you're here this morning in church so that you can hear about Jesus' love for you, that you can connect to him in worship, that you're not too busy, that you're about to run out the door, but you've got some minutes to sit here with God and his word. And that's the type of lives we have to live 
Don't get too busy to miss the most important things in this life. Don't get so busy that you ignore your soul. The next reason they didn't see Jesus is that they weren't looking for Jesus. And we weren't, we aren't looking for Jesus either. If you look at verse 16, they're not even looking for him. These two people don't recognize him because they think he's dead. He's buried. They're, they're not, it's not even on their radar. They can't make the connection that this person walking next to them could be the Messiah, could be Jesus, could be the one that they have lost. And the doubts and the hurt and the misunderstandings have kept them from recognizing Jesus. But as I studied this text, this is the first time I've ever seen it. I mean, I've, I've been teaching Life of Christ for a long time, for about 20 years. And when I began to study this passage of Scripture, it began to jump out at me how many clues there are that he has risen from the dead. When you begin reading the story, and this isn't Jesus telling them, this is them telling Jesus all the things that have happened. You see, what, what day is it? it it's, the, it's the third day, verse 21. Besides all this, this is the third day since it happened. What did Jesus tell these guys? On the third day, I'll raise from the dead. What did the women discover earlier that morning? We see in verse 22 that they arrived earlier at the tomb and they didn't find his body. Then what did the angel say to those women? He's alive. The disciples go and run to find it. And what did the disciples find? They found it just as the women had told them. How much more evidence do you need that Jesus is now alive, but they just can't see it? They just can't see it. Their hearts are too broken, even with this overwhelming evidence that is, is it coming from their mouth. They just can't see Jesus because they're not looking for him. And I want to tell you that God is at work in your life. He's at work in your life right now. He's at work in your home, where you go to school, where you work. God is with you. He's right next to you right now. And a lot of times the reason we don't see it, even with all the clues, is because we're not looking for him. We're not looking for him. So we've got to realize that Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I am with you always. And, and I want to tell you, even if you don't know him today, he still loves you. And he's still calling you. And he's desiring that relationship with it, the relationship you're created for. He's going to walk with you till you walk with him. And he loves you that much. There are clues all over that God is right next to you. And we need to open our eyes to those clues. There's a part of our brain in the back. It's called the reticulating, uh, uh, what is it, reticular activating system, RAS, reticular activating system. And it's a part of the brain that helps us recognize things because we take everything in and we'd get overwhelmed if we had to like put everything inside of our brain that we're seeing because there's just too much going on. But this helps us recognize things. This one of the functions of the, the RAS is that we can begin to pick things out. And so if you came to church this morning, let me give you an example, and somebody was dressed exactly how you're dressed this morning, you would immediately recognize them because that's what you're wearing. Uh, you, you drive a car, whatever car you drive, when you drive your car and you go down the road, uh, you, you notice if a car with the same make and model and year and color as your car drives, and you're like, oh, that's my car. And you see thousands of cars. Why do you recognize that one? Because you're looking for it. It's part of what you are focused in on. I want to tell you, that's why we gather together. That's why we worship God. That's why we read his word. That's why we pray. So that we're looking for God. So that we're focused on him. So that we can see the clues in our life that God is there. That God loves us. 
Look for Jesus in your life. Not just on Sunday mornings, but look for him on Monday mornings. Because I guarantee that God is with you. And you'll see him when you're looking for him. The next reason they didn't recognize Jesus is that they were depressed. They were depressed in, in verse 17. It says in the translation we read that their faces were downcast. In the New English Bible, it says that they were full of gloom. Their hopes, their dreams died with Jesus and were buried with him. They thought it was all over. And, and so they, it says that, you know, that they were, in one translation, they were shuffling along as they walked. And even when Jesus started to talk to them, it said they stopped. You just imagine their, their demeanor just hunched over and just, I mean, just depressed, overwhelmed, and, and thinking it is all over. God is no longer with them. They were too depressed to see that Jesus was right there next to them. That the, the person they were crying over, the person that they were, were grieving over, was standing right next to them. And there are times in our life, and I know there are people here today, that are so overwhelmed with life, and so full of sadness and grief, that if Jesus was standing right next to them, they couldn't even see him, because they're so overwhelmed with depression. And to you this morning, I want to say this, that in the deepest, darkest moments of our life, Jesus is with you. He is right next to you. Just even turn your head and know that God is with you because he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Are you going through a difficult time? Yes. But turn to Jesus. He is not far away. Even though he may feel a million miles away, he's not. He's right there. And he's there for you. The next reason they didn't see Jesus was they were pessimistic. They were pessimistic. It's not that they lacked evidence. It's just that they lacked hope. Their hope was gone. And, and I just noticed in talking with people over the years as a pastor. Is that the human being has this incredible propensity to doubt. I don't know why it is. Even the most positive people, it's just easier for us to doubt than believe. And so that's what a lot of people live in this pessimistic world. And it's not that they don't believe in God. And it's not that they don't believe in the Bible. Yeah, oh, God did great things in the Bible. And sure, he's helped a lot of people out. And sure, I, I even know people today that can give a testimony of God's working power. But that doesn't work for me. We have this, this we just, we want to doubt. I want to tell you, Believe. Because the promises in God's word are for you. His love is for you. His joy is for you. His presence and power is for you. Don't doubt and say, well, sure, some people got it and some people don't. No, God loves you. And his promises are true. When they see Jesus, everything changes in their life. They finally come to the town of Emmaus and they get to their home and Jesus pretends like he's going to keep going. But they say, no, no, you've got to stay with us. Something's happening in their heart and life. It's like, no, no, you, you've got to spend the night with us. It's getting dark. You have, to, you have to stay with us. And so they make him dinner and they prepare this meal and the table is set and Jesus is sitting there. And it's when he breaks the bread, it happens. Look at verse 30 with me. It says, it was as he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to him, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. 
So at that moment, everything changed for all of eternity for these two guys. It was that moment that he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he had given thanks and gave it to him. You, you think about what was it about that moment that their eyes opened, that it, that, it, that it removed the scales from their eyes and, and all the doubt and all the pessimism and all the, 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 the grief and sadness went away and they recognized who Jesus was. What was happening at that moment? And some people believe that when he broke the bread, they could see his hands and they saw the scars. And they saw it was Jesus. Some people believe that it's when his voice spoke the words and they blessed the bread. That it took them back in time to the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus said, and he took the bread and he, broke, and he gave thanks, it says. He, he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. That he, they heard those words echoing from the, the, the past miracle. Or maybe it was from, maybe they're one of the lucky ones that were in the upper room with him on that, that, that last supper and they heard those words. Maybe it was his voice, maybe it was his hands, maybe it's what he did. But somehow they recognized him. And truth came in and hope came in and they were full of life once again. And notice what they do. They don't keep it to themselves. They run back to Jerusalem. You know, they run seven miles and pitch darkness to get back so they can tell the story of Jesus because something happened something changed and hope abounded they were changed forever they said in verse 32 so they said to each other weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was speaking to with us on the road explaining the scriptures to us Maybe this morning when you heard a song or the words being preached, something's beginning to happen inside of you. And when they says their hearts were ablaze, in the Greek what it means, their whole being was ablaze. Their heart, mind, soul, strength became alive when he was talking to them. When we encounter Jesus, something happens inside of us. That new life comes and our hearts burn ablaze. And they will do that for all of eternity. He comes and he saves the whole Person And Paul reminds us in Romans 6, 4, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. We want that Easter fire burning in our hearts when we recognize Jesus and see him. And we can be like these two that were on the road to Emmaus that didn't recognize him, didn't see him, but all of a sudden he came to light And he will come to light in your life when you realize that he is the one who has time for you when you are too busy to have time for him. He is the one that is looking for you when you're not even looking for him. He's the one that will take your sadness and turn it into joy. He's the one that will take your doubts and give you hope. That's our Jesus. He loves you so much. I want to tell you the story of a person named Bud. He's in his 80s. He and his wife are in their 80s. And uh, his name's Bud Biffle. And you don't know who he is. The pastors know who he is. Because he's a spiritual giant in our fellowship of churches. And uh, Bud passed away a couple weeks ago. But I want to tell you his story. Because every time I saw him, he was so full of faith. So full of life. So full of encouragement. I loved Bud Biffle. But Bud Biffle's wife, Nita, she got sick. And they're both in their 80s, very old couple. And and she had to go to the hospital. And it was serious. 
And she was in the hospital for a long time, for many months, and, and, uh, and he just stayed by her side in the hospital. In fact, we had a, a board meeting in Dallas, and I was hoping to, to see Bud, and he's usually in the office there, and, and, um, and, and he wasn't there. The, all the days we were in Dallas, I never saw him because he was always in the hospital with Nita because things were so critical. And he kept, kept there just nursing, just trying to get her back home, and, and, and she, she got to come home. God did a miraculous thing. There were so many people praying across the country. She got well. She got healthy. She got to come home. And, um, and they went to church a couple Sundays ago. And after church, they went out with the pastor. And they began to tell the story to the pastor. Because they hadn't been there for a while. And they had gone out to Nita's favorite restaurant. Because she could go back out to eat. And so they're at the, the restaurant. And they're, they're, they're celebrating. And he's telling the pastor all the good things that God has done. And, and, and this was his heart. But I was just saying, I just, I just wanted to get her home. I just wanted to get her home. That was my goal, just to get her home. And then he turned to her and said, Honey, I just wanted to get you home. And he said, I'm not feeling too good. He began to slump in his seat, put his head on her shoulder, and said, I just wanted to get you home. And he passed away. He was healthy. He was strong. She was the one that was sick. But he said, I just wanted to get you home. As I have been thinking about that, I think about Jesus, who says, I love you. I just want to get you home. He's saying, you're not supposed to to be here. You're supposed to be with me. This is not your home, this place that's full of sickness and death and and sin. You're supposed to be with me. I I just want to get you home. I love you so much. I just want to get you home. I just want to get you home. And then he went to the cross and he died for our sin, for our guilt, for our shame. And he died on the cross. And when he said, it is finished, he said, you can come home. It's all done. You can come home. But the beautiful part of the story is that Bud Biffle is not dead. He's alive. Because he knew Jesus. And someday he and Nita will be reunited in heaven. And they will be strong. And they will be healthy. And they will be home. And it is for you today. Jesus said, I just want to take you home. I just want you to be home with me. That is his heart. That is his cry. That is his love. That he went to the cross to take care of our sin, our guilt, and our shame. Because there is no way that we can go and be with God and have that relationship with God. With all the sin and the garbage and the junk that we choose that's a part of our life. See, the only way to be right with God is either to be 100% good. And no one is 100% good except for Jesus Christ. Or you can be 100% forgiven. And here's the truth. Everyone can be 100% forgiven because Jesus died for all of our sin on the cross. And he went into the grave. He took your death upon himself. He didn't deserve it, but he took your death upon himself. Why? So that he could give his life to you. What a trade to give our death for his life. See, that's the beauty in which God loves you today. That's why Easter changes everything. When we recognize him and we see him and he comes into our hearts and into our lives. It says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 that if the spirit who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. See, today on Easter, you can surrender your life. Perhaps as we've been singing, perhaps during the message, something has burned in your heart that you know that Jesus is alive. And when you confess him as Lord, when you confess him as Savior, when you confess your sins to him, you are saved. Don't wait any longer. Recognize him today. Don't be so busy. Don't be just looking for other things in this life. Don't be so depressed that you can't see him. Or say, it's just for someone else. It's not for me. It is for you today to come to God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning. And we are going to sing with the choir, He is Lord again. We're going to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to talk to you about following Jesus. In what we saw on the screen before the message, you saw Jesus and Peter talking. And what they were talking about was grace. See, we have the sin, the guilt, the shame in our life. But what Jesus did on the cross is greater than anything you've done. The Bible says in Romans that where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And I want to tell you today that when you accept Jesus, that grace comes into your life. It covers all that you've done. And it says in Romans 8 verse 1 that there, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You will be set free. And as Romans 8 comes to a close, it says that nothing will separate us from his love. I want to tell you today, you can recognize him as your Lord and Savior and live in that freedom of grace and realize that there is nothing, absolutely nothing that you go through that will separate you from his love. What I'd like you to do today is just be obedient to the word and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. And in doing that, you'll be believing and confessing. The Bible tells us that you'll be saved. If you want to do that this morning, maybe you want to recommit your life to God this morning. If you want to say it with me this morning, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now, now invite you into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have new life when we recognize him. Would you stand with me this morning? And we're going to sing. Because when God looks down, he doesn't see a choir and a congregation. He sees us all as choir members. And let's sing, He is Lord, together this morning.
again to take us home. Hallelujah. He's calling us home. He's called you home this morning. And if you uh, gave your heart to Jesus Christ this morning and you surrendered, and when you sing this song, He is Lord, and you believe that He rose from the dead, I want to tell you today, you are saved. And we have a special gift for you. This is like the best Easter basket ever, right here. And because uh, uh, in it, um, it's got a pack, it's got a Bible there, and just some information about uh, Jesus. And it's not about joining a church, it's about being in relationship with Jesus Christ. And we, we just want to let you know more about that. We're also teaching a class on Wednesdays about Jesus. It'd be great to have you out. Everyone is welcome. And, uh, and just to learn more about Jesus. But now that you have Jesus, make sure you, you read his word. Make sure that you pray. Make sure that you tell somebody and that you grow in that relationship with God because that's the relationship you were created for. Just remember this week that he is alive. That means he's on the loose. And he just might show up when you don't expect him. It's going to happen this week. I guarantee it. Did you receive the blessing of the Lord this morning? May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that we know that we have because you are with us. You are alive and we walk with you. God, I pray that more this week than ever before, we would recognize you, that you would show up in our life and God, that we would love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We love you this morning. You are alive, and you make us alive. Keep us safe, keep us strong, until we can gather together again as a church and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's been good to be in the presence of the Lord on Easter Sunday. If you need special prayer, have any questions, need someone to talk to, I'll be down front. We're going to go out to Happy Day, and we're going to sing that as we go. But as we go, if you gave your heart to the Lord, grab a bag. If you know somebody that needs one, grab that bag. And um, fellowship with one another. We'll see you next Sunday for the Easter egg hunt. God bless you. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. Empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh, happy day.